Hey, Lulu here. Whether we are romping through science, music, politics, technology, or feelings, we seek to leave you seeing the world anew. Radiolab adventures right on the edge of what we think we know, wherever you get podcasts. The Affordable Care Act has managed to survive another enrollment period. Meanwhile, if you look north of the border, though, they don't have any of these types of fights. No exchanges, no repeal, no. Canada has found stability with universal health care. We've been spending the last week looking at why American healthcare looks the way it does. Could we have taken another path? The answer takes us back to 1962, when Canadian-style healthcare was born. The United States was also considering expanding healthcare at the time. Both political fights were vicious, but only one country ended up with universal coverage. WNYC's Mary Harris explains. Before I take you to the birthplace of Canadian healthcare, which is Saskatchewan, I need to take you someplace else. From Madison Square Garden in New York City, ABC News presents an address by the President of the United States. We're in New York City, 1962, and there's an overflow crowd waiting to watch President John F. Kennedy speak. The President is now entering the garden as the crowd applauds. He's about to make his best pitch for Medicare. That's health care for seniors. All three networks carried this speech. And what's funny if you listen to it now is how the arguments he makes more than 50 years ago sound just like the arguments you'll hear about health care today. This is a campaign to help people meet their responsibilities. He talks a lot about how seniors deserve this help. They've worked for it. The fact of the matter is that what we are now talking about doing, most of the countries of Europe did years ago. Back then, Canada had already done a version of this too. President Kennedy's plan wasn't actually complete medical coverage. This original version of Medicare didn't cover drugs or doctor visits. It was just 60 days of hospital care. Take note, 60 days of hospital care. That's it? That's it. I asked Ted Marmer to explain this moment to me. In the 1960s, he was on Capitol Hill trying to get this Medicare package passed. So let me, I want to make sure I understand this right. So the debate in Washington in the 60s, it sounds like, was really just about this really basic hospital care. Absolutely. But the doctors were scared to death that it was first step. The first step towards socialized health care, government control. Doctors were so alarmed that a group in New Jersey threatened to go on strike if Kennedy's law passed. And the reason those physicians were so certain that nationalized medicine was just around the corner here in the U.S. is because of what was happening at the very same time in Saskatchewan. Headed by the leadership of Tommy Douglas, who, by the way, was recently selected by Canadians as the most popular Canadian in its history. That tells you something. I think that medical care is so important that it ought not to have a price tag on it. Tommy Douglas was a former Baptist minister, a socialist, and he was beloved. His plan was called Medicare II, but it was much more expansive. It wasn't just hospital care, and it wasn't just for old people. It was access to a doctor for everyone. Everything will be exactly the same as it is now, except one simple thing. That is that instead of the doctor sending the bill to you, he will send the bill to the medical care plan. Now, surely there's nothing very complicated about this. By the time John F. Kennedy was making his speech in Madison Square Garden, Tommy Douglas's Medicare plan was set to go into effect in a matter of weeks. And here's the thing. Canadians were no more egalitarian than Americans were in the 1950s and 60s. Good gracious. 
Um, do not think that Canadians were Ruskies in, you know, in fur coats. Just like those doctors in New Jersey, the doctors of Saskatchewan, nearly a thousand of them, were getting ready to go on strike. Some were ending appointments by telling their patients, after July 1st, I won't be able to see you anymore. It was alarming. I have a family of five little girls. One girl is suffering from cerebral palsy. Now you tell me, sir, when this specialist leaves. Canadians like this man rallied the government to delay the law. But they lost. Where will I go? Tell me. Sir, this is not the issue. This is the issue. This is my issue. This is the people's issue. When the new law went into effect, Saskatchewan's doctors closed their doors. Today, the lines are firmly drawn. The government is putting Medicare to work, and the doctors are putting their emergency service into operation. The physician's main concern was how much they'd be paid. Negotiation has failed, and today it's come to a physical test of strength. The doctors have locked their office doors and say that from now on, they will treat only emergencies. But doctors were worried about government control, too. They talked about a future where doctors were like slaves and menopausal women were sent to mental institutions. What's important about that strike is how vicious the fight was. The strike lasted three weeks. Even after it ended, some Canadians weren't convinced that government health insurance was such a great idea. Personally, I'm not too happy about it. I'm uh, rather disappointed in the doctors. Myself, I'm a medical student, you see, and I hope they'd, uh, they'd fight it to the end. And I was kind of hoping the government backed down. But within a decade, universal health care had spread to all of Canada's provinces. Meanwhile, in the United States, that health care bill President Kennedy was fighting so hard for, hospital coverage, just for the elderly, it didn't pass. Here in the U.S., organized resistance by doctors seemed to work. Men and women of America, I appeal to your sense of fairness. Two days after his big speech in Madison Square Garden, the president of the American Medical Association took to the same stage and made a rebuttal. If our government wants to move toward welfare state medicine, let them tell us so honestly. The AMA paid nearly $100,000 for the venue and more for time on 190 television stations so Americans could watch. I implore you, ask your doctor. Ask your doctor. Thank you. So I asked Ted Marmer, why was Canada able to fight off the same kind of opposition from doctors and pass something so comprehensive. Reformers believed that in American politics, you needed to expand by groups that didn't raise the ancient issues of deservingness. So they sliced off sections of people, one at a time, people they decided were worthy of health care. And after a few years, they did pass Medicare for the elderly and Medicaid for the very poor. Which allowed them to say from then on, what do we need? People get insurance at work. They get Medicaid if they're poor. And they get hospital and medical care if they're over 65. And eventually we can probably cover the disabled. Ted Marmer does have one regret. Not encouraging his bosses to include children in the list of people who deserved Medicare or Medicaid back then. It wasn't until 1997 that Congress passed CHIP, the Children's Health Insurance Program. And they only did that after President Clinton's larger health care reform effort failed, a story we'll explore tomorrow. For The Takeaway, I'm Mary Harris. Mary Harris is host and managing editor for WNYC's Health Desk. To hear more from our special series, head over to the website at thetakeaway.org slash healthcare.